Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Garay, TJ Beater, and Kathy Garay. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Well, apparently we've lost Kathy, and this is Rory here on Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Glad you could all join us. I'm actually almost missed today's show because I had to drop Santa Dog off at the airport. And as he uh, spent a few days or a little time here in Phoenix uh, before he was off to Maui for some much-needed relaxing time. Anyway, Santa Dog um, wanted to talk, do some yapping about all the greyhounds that are going to need homes in 2020 and also partake in some barqueritas. Uh, but the reason why I was almost late is... As I was dropping him off, we are trying to get through TSA, and TSA was just not buying that his support human was offering any support. Anyway, with that. Really? Yeah. Hello. Yes, apparently I have one job, and uh, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, can I start the show? You can start the show. Okay, thank you. No, you can shut up. All righty, a big welcome to all our Greyhounds Make Great Pet listeners across the globe. It's the last Friday of 2019, and today we'll be taking a look back and a look forward regarding all things Greyhound. One thing I'm looking forward to in 2020 is the Solvang Gathering coming up on January 9th through 12th in Solvang, California. It's an event that focuses on the hounds of the world, featuring speaker presentation, a blessing of the hounds, memorial bell ceremony, the Solvang Streak, a paper mache greyhound making class, senior houndy recognition, and exceptional shopping with top-notch vendors and adoption groups. New to the event in 2020 will be the Artist Showcase, featuring six fabulous artists from across the United States. It's going to be a delightful weekend, and you've got to be there. Visit the Solvang Gathering's Facebook page for everything you need to know. And needless to say, Rory and I are both looking forward to Sandy Paw's Great Fun in the Sun, uh, which will be March 12th through 15th, 2020, at Villas by the Sea Conference Center on Jekyll Island in Georgia. It's a tiny but mighty gathering filled with old and new friends and oodles of beautiful greyhounds. Jekyll Island is one of the most gorgeous and relaxing places for your graycation. Info? Updates and registration can be found at www.sandypaws.org. Now, all of you out there can start 2020 off right by making a generous donation to your Greyhound Adoption Group. Remember, it's the least you can do for the folks who have provided you with the coolest pet ever. And your plucky GMGP hosts are always looking forward to hearing about what your adoption group is doing. So if there's an event or an activity that you would like the world of Greyhounds Make Great Pets listeners to know about, send us an email with the full 411. And our email is gmgp3 at yahoo.com. And don't forget, Greyhounds Make Great Pets, and that's spelled G-R-E-A-T, is on Facebook. And it would mean a lot to us if you could give our page a like. Just look for GMGP Scooter, and you know you are on the right page. And, well, that's it for me when I finally decided to show up, that is. So, back to you, Rory. Well, thank you. Glad you could finally join us today. You know, I was, okay, to be honest, we 
like everybody needs to know, we had an overnight delivery, and I had to go run and get that. And, of course, it shows up when the show starts. So. Well, well, that's quite okay. Now, today okay, we're doing a little... You. Yeah, today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we haven't done this in a while on the show, and so we're going to showcase three adoption programs for our listeners and for those of you who may be thinking of getting another Greyhound. These might be groups you want to uh, contact, and for other groups, if you're interested about uh, in the future being showcased on uh, Greyhounds Make Great Pets, you can contact us, and we'll schedule you for one of the shows. Uh, with that, I think, uh, Kathy, why don't we start off out east? What do you think? I think that's good. You know what? May, may I do the introductions? Yes, you may. All righty. Joining us from Long Island, New York, is, well, she's, a, she's an old friend of mine, a, a little newer old friend of Rory's, um, from Long Island, Greyhound Connection. Uh, we welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets, Iris and her fabulous nails. <laughs> Hi, Iris, everybody. are you there? <laughs> now, so uh, Iris, what, now what is actually the name of your group there? Okay, it's called Long Island Greyhound Connection Inc. Is that because you're like on some Long Island or something? Or <laughs> okay, that was bad. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> yes, we're we're, we're fi- Long Island is famous. Yeah. Now, um, what areas uh, do you guys service there for a greyhound adoption? Okay. Well, obviously Long Island, um, <laughs> which is um, which is a little bit east of I think it's east of uh, New York City. So we cover Long Island, and we cover um, all the five boroughs in New York City. I think it's five boroughs. Yeah. Queens, who knows? Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island. Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island. Yeah, and, and, and Long Island. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. a bur- that's well, not a borough of. Okay. Well, now um, some of our listeners may not be aware that there is a, a a good number of greyhounds that do live, you know, in in the New York metropolitan area and in Long Island and around Manhattan and our our city dogs. We actually, interestingly enough, we uh, I would say probably a third to uh, like a half of the dogs that we place um, actually live in man- apartments in uh, Manhattan, Queens. Oh, it is five and the Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, and uh, Brooklyn. We do a ah. lot of placements there because they do make great apartment dogs. Actually, just uh, the other day I was doing an interview with some folks and they, the one gal said that she's like, well, I live in a condo. I just probably would not be able to have a greyhound and i want our listeners to know that don't let that keep you from adopting a greyhound because a lot of these dogs do fit in great with an apartment or condo lifestyle we've uh we've even placed one in a studio apartment in manhattan and the dog was is doing great excellent and the condo board i knew a story once where a condo board did not want dogs over 50 pounds um, which I never could understand that. And the people went before the condo board and brought, we, uh, brought a greyhound in, and from that they met the greyhounds, and now there's an exception that greyhounds are allowed to be in that building. Oh, that's that, cool. Yeah. That is good news. Right. Yeah, now, and there's, um, a, a apartment, there's an apartment complex, uh, big complexes on Long Island, um, and um, I don't want to mention their name because maybe they're not supposed to say this, but... The limit, dog limit, is 35 pounds, but they will make uh, exemption, uh, exceptions for grants. 
Perfect, because yeah, they they do fit in well in that in that lifestyle. They yeah. don't need the big yards like everyone thinks nope. they do. As long as you can take them out for walks, and you yourself get a benefit of uh, some exercise and bonding time with your your pet. Now, do you um, do you guys have some? Think, oh, go ahead. I honestly think that the um, that the apartment dogs on um, that we place get more exercise um, than the um, what you call it than the house dogs. Because the house dogs, we tend to, like, open the back the door in the fenced-in yard, and they go out, and then they come back in. But the city people and apartment people actually have to walk the dogs. And almost all of our city people um, have dog walkers. And the dogs get, like, half an hour, hour walks at least once a day. Wow. Now, do you guys have any um, meet and greets coming up that if any, somebody was interested, they could swing by and uh, meet you guys? You know, we, we haven't set them up. January yet because um, the weather is usually like yucky in New York so we're, we probably will start them again the end of January but if you check out our website it's L-I-G-C dot org um, and on the bottom left hand corner we have a calendar of upcoming events and we try to do a couple of events um, every month in the, cold, in the cold months but in the warmer weather we're someplace practically every weekend I mean, yeah, every weekend in the month. Excellent. Well, we do uh, thank you for uh, spending some time today with us to share with our listeners about your program and the Greyhounds. Uh, Kathy, what do you think we head on out west now? Woohoo! Now we are heading southwest or northwest. Oh, bye, Iris. Thanks for joining us. Or you can hang on the line, too. It's okay. (laughs) Let's head all the way out to the northwest. The Northwest. All right. Well, uh, our group from uh, the Northwest is GPA. That's Greyhound Pets of America, Greater Northwest. And I believe we have Carolyn with us today. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Hi, how are we Welcome doing? to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you guys are obviously a part of Greyhound Pets of America, which I'm also the national president of. Uh, but to go ahead and tell us a little bit uh, about your chapter there. Um, so we're located in um, mostly in the Pacific Northwest region. Um, we service uh, Washington, Idaho, and parts of Montana. Wow. And we teach these greyhounds how to handle snow. <laughs> um, <laughs> snow and rain. They look really cute in their sweaters and raincoats that they wear up by us. Um, <laughs> But we are a completely foster-based um, organization up here. So we're all, um, all of the dogs we get go into foster homes with our amazing volunteers um, from, we are mostly based in um, Seattle and the Spokane area of Washington. Um, so we spread all across Washington, but then we um, get into Idaho. We have some people down in Boise now. We've been able to get some volunteers down there. Um, and then we're able to stretch into Montana as dogs are needed. Wow. That's a that's a big area. And and you guys, can could you please just turn off the rain? I'd like to have a couple of sunny days here in Phoenix. <laughs> you know, if we were in control of that, I think we could have it off a lot more if we could. Uh, now, um, we just have to ask, are there any Boeing 737 Maxes parked in your backyard? You know what? I am actually located in the Spokane area, so uh, all the Boeing people, and we're still hoping one day they'll get a Greyhound up on the side, but, you know, 
I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Their long noses, though, I think would look great on a Boeing. Yeah, actually, <laughs> but, they, they would look good on painted on one of those uh, planes. <laughs> now, do you guys have any uh, upcoming events, uh, meet and greets, where if somebody's in the area was interested in coming to meet the group or the dogs um, that they could swing by? Yeah, or? Um, we have, we do um, weekly meet and greets at our local Petco's, PetSmart's, um, country stores, mud bays. All of the locations are listed on our Facebook page or on our um, website, um, which is gnwgreyhounds.org. Um, but we actually just finished our biggest event season of the year. The holidays is huge for us. We had fundraisers at um, a local brewery called Whistlepunk Brewing, a dog-friendly brewery. They let the dogs come in. Um, we had photos with Santa and photos with the Grinch. We do that every year. So next year, if any of our local people want to come and get photos taken with Santa, we do a whole thing with that. Um, but yeah, we'll be having um, more fundraisers coming up and more events to get the dogs out in the community and working with our um, amazing community partners that are dog friendly and getting them out there and all that will be up on our Facebook and website. Excellent. Well, and I and need how to many disc- dogs do you- Go ahead, Kathy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, how many greyhounds do you have currently available for adoption right now? Um, I believe we just had one more adopted out. I think we have, um, we have one who's still on medical hold. Um, he's healing up from a broken leg, but he'll be available hopefully within the next month. And then we mm-hmm. also have, I think, four or five available dogs over on our Seattle side. Um, but with the, we have to kind of hold up on getting dogs in in the winter time because it's not it winter, safe to right. have them coming through the mountain passes. Um, but we'll be getting Definitely. a new haul of dogs in in the springtime. Um, and last year we were able to get seventy three dogs adopted out in two thousand nineteen. So hopefully we'll be able to get just as many, or if not more, this upcoming year. So we're pretty Excellent. excited for Great. what this year holds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and just and, for, and now for, in Europe. Go ahead. You're always stepping <laughs> all over me. <laughs> well, that, that's what happens. Um, what, in your opinion, Carolyn, makes a greyhound a great pet? Oh, my gosh. It's almost what doesn't make them. It's like everything about them for me. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, um, because we know they're perfect. I, it's, but, no, I mean, what's the one are. thing that you comes to mind? Um, Oh, I just love the personality that comes out, you know, they're, when they're, when they're figuring out, you know, transitioning from their, you know, racing career and how, what retirement works, how it works. And then when you start seeing their little personalities come out and the little quirks they have, like my greyhound, Eddie, he is just the most outgoing. I'm going to go and see everybody and make sure that everybody rubs me in this one spot on my butt. And I'm going to go up to them and put my butt right in their face saying, rub me right here on my hips. And just the, the amazing personalities they have and just how social they can be while still being so calm. I have had mm-hmm. border collies and stuff in the past that are very social but are also so in your face that I just love how greyhounds can just be this beautiful regal dog that is always a joy to have out in public and bring with you everywhere and show off their amazing personalities. It's just, I just, yeah, 
I just love how easy they are to come out and about and be around people. Cool. Excellent. Well, and we do uh, want to thank you for joining us today and letting all our listeners, especially the people there in the greater Northwest, know about your program. Uh, so hopefully maybe somebody listening today may think about an adoption and they can give you a, give you guys a call and uh, get hooked up with a great pet. And please uh, thank all your volunteers for all the great, amazing work they've done. 73 Greyhounds this last year. Amazing work. I can't thank them all enough for what they've done. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having us, and thank you for doing this podcast. This is such a wonderful way to get the dogs out there and heard. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, Kathy, what do you think we come on back home to good old Arizona? Sounds good. And with us from Arizona, Adopt a Greyhound, which is the group that Rory and I have gotten several of our greyhounds from over the years, all of them being just Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, we welcome Rebecca Spellman. Good morning. Good morning. Good thank morning. you for joining us. It's uh, yeah. Well, I was just thinking this for mo- inviting us. Yeah. I was just thinking this morning. This this morning, I was like, you know, I've known all the um, people in charge of that have been leading the group of Aggie since its inception, and everyone has been great. And you've done a great job as well. Um, you know taking over for Carrie and, and, you know, with all that. And just thank you again for keeping up the great job there at Aggie. With that said, um, obviously you're in Arizona, but can uh, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about your program. Well, we have been around for 30 years this March and we have, we are an all volunteer group. So everything that we do is, from the love of this breed. Uh, We have an incredibly strong group of volunteers that give and give and give. We are an all-foster-based organization. Um, So while we used to have kennels at the Greyhound Park, we now have all of our adoptees in foster homes, making that transition from athlete to pet. So it makes it easier for our adopters to fit them in in their homes. Um, We normally adopt just in the Arizona area, um, everything from Sierra Vista in the south to Flagstaff in the north. But we do have people that come from all over since we're a winter destination. And we've placed a few greyhounds up in Canada as well. Oh wow! Now you, yeah. <laughs> you were just you were just men- mentioning um, that you guys used to be at the Phoenix Greyhound Park, and then you know now having them to be all foster base, and then also a few years ago, a uh, great friend of the show, and actually she used to be our my co-host Carrie Morrison Young. Um, the passing, mm-hmm. sad passing of Carrie. You guys have really gone through a lot of transition, and you guys again. Just being an outsider observing it, you guys, the volunteers, you did a fabulous job in keeping focus of the group and on the Greyhounds. And I can't thank you guys enough, all of them, for for what they did. Well, thank you. That means a lot because Carrie's shoes, while she was tiny, her shoes to fill were huge. And no one will ever be able to completely do that. But we do try to focus on the hounds and get them where they need to be, which is 
loving and in homes and uh, just being affectionate, sweet dogs. Exactly. Now, do you have any meet and greets uh, for for our people that may be out here um, for the Fiesta Bowl or those of us who live here or our Canadians that love coming um, coming out here to visit our warm weather, which right now is not so warm, but... Not so warm, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> our wet, warm, <laughs> wet, cold weather. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wet heat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we meet at the Tempe Pet Co., uh, which is, well, it's a small area of Tempe, but it's close to three freeways, so it's easy to get to. And it is on our website at ArizonaAdoptAGreyhound.org, and we're there every Friday from 4.30 to 6 to meet with people, talk to them about greyhounds, and to let them pet as many greyhounds as they like. They're always impressed by how quiet these dogs are and how affectionate as they make the rounds getting pets from every single person. Um, Then at 6 o'clock, we start our orientation program because in order to adopt from us, you have to sit through a presentation that shows you how greyhounds think when they come into your life because they have been trained differently and how you can help them see the opportunities that they have as a pet and help them in that transition period. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that because years ago when I came from California, moved over here to Arizona and was getting involved in things over here, I actually attended um, the the um, transition um, event there. I think they used to be held on Friday or Saturday nights there at the Phoenix oh, Greyhound Park. And they, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they would take us around, show us the, the Jenny Pit. We got to see the Greyhounds being checked in and then we got to watch some schooling races. So we got an education on on that aspect of the dogs. And it, for me, it was probably the biggest game changer in my thoughts of Greyhounds and Greyhound racing. Uh, so it was, mm-hmm. I wish other groups, uh, especially the other tracks, would have mirrored what you guys did there uh, with Arizona Adopted Greyhound and Phoenix Greyhound Park, because I think it would have helped out with the public perception regarding Greyhound racing. I agree. We have been so fortunate because we knew the managers, we knew the trainers, we knew the kennels, and so we saw firsthand how the Greyhound industry runs and how they treat their dogs. And it totally changes the preconceived ideas that are so popular in the media today. It, these are valuable assets and they, the owners, the trainers, they love these dogs. And so they are treated accordingly, but they are working dogs. They are not house pets. And as trained athletes, they have a very, very narrow focus in their lives and we simply widen and transition their world and they are such adaptable dogs that they're very very good at that exactly i mean they people it's just amazing how they transition into the home and you know when when people start really getting to know the greyhounds get to know the history of the greyhound, how they're raised and all that, I think it really opens up one's eyes to these dogs. Now, mm-hmm. 
How many greyhounds do you and your husband James have at home? Um, well, currently we have six, but we only own four of them. We have two that are on medical hold in our um, home right now, but we have had greyhounds for the past 15 years, and we found them by doing a lot of research on the different breeds and deciding that greyhounds were the ones for us. And so we um, we have four draped around me here in the living room now, sound asleep <laughs> in different beds. So it uh, you kind of transition your own life into one where you lose a couch and you step over beds everywhere. But <laughs> so. and you or you lose your bed. <laughs> I think Kathy loves it's it well when I have to go when I have to go on the road because that means. The, a couple more dogs get to sleep in the bed, and she has maybe just a little more room because I'm gone. Yeah, because I'm not hanging you know? over on the edge hoping I don't roll over edge. on the floor. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. For, you know, for everyone always remarks. Go, go ahead, ahead, Kathy. Rebecca. Oh, I was oh, say, I everybody remarks about, oh, how cute greyhounds can roll up in a little ball and look so tiny, mm-hmm. except when they're sleeping next to you in bed, and then they can just become like 800 feet long. Right. Exactly, well, we, exactly. Well, we, we just have a couple of minutes left before the break, but um, oh, okay. real quickly, what is it that makes them great pets? I love the fact that they're big clowns and they're totally silly. They're affectionate. They trust human beings, but they're very casual and mellow pets as well. Um, our Facebook page has hundreds of pictures of these dogs sleeping, and it's amazing the number of positions they can get into um, for such a large dog. Excellent. And and I, I, if, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, again, um, I, I just wanted, wanted to, to mention that our. <laughs> you can go ahead. Go ahead, Lori. Oh, no, I was uh, just going to say, I wanted to remind everyone, um, while I'm the president of Greyhound Pets of America, Arizona Adopt a Greyhound, uh, the local group here, I do volunteer work with them. And again, I just can't thank your volunteers for all the work that they do. Uh, I go to your picnics and all that. It's just so fun seeing all the happy greyhounds and all the happy people. Um, And the, the hounds are happy and the people are happy because of all the work the volunteers have done. So thank you, everyone. Uh, for the great work. Oh, and be- and Rebecca, before you go, can you give our listeners the Aggie website in case someone in the Arizona area is interested in contacting you about adoption? Certainly. You can always contact us through our Facebook page, which is Arizona Adopt a Greyhound, or our website, which is www.arizonaadoptagreyhound.org. Thank you, Rebecca. With that said, I've now got to go find my glasses because when we come back, it's my 2020 vision. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Very sure has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation, Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The GPA, that's Greyhound Pets of America. If you would like information on how you can adopt an ex-racing Greyhound, call 800-366-1472. These dogs are fit, healthy, happy, playful pets, good with children, and oh, do they love lots of hugs. Adopt a cool Greyhound today. Call 800-366-1472. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Welcome back, plucky listeners. We are Greyhounds Make Great Pets, and this is the second half hour of our show. And we are going to uh, have a little look into the future uh, with Rory and his crystal ball. And we're just going to chit-chat what may be on the horizon for Greyhound adoption, Greyhound racing, Greyhounds in general. Um, you know, just our, our two cents worth on the, on the scene. So I'm going to hand that over to Rory and he's going to do some incantation gibberish and get his crystal ball working well no crystal ball here but uh just uh, so everyone knows this is kind of the first part of it's going to lead into next week's show where we will have a guest from uh, the phoenix uh, arizona republic uh, kind of talking about next week about what changed over the years in in racing and why we're where we are today now kathy you you all know that i've been saying for years that we need to reach the people in the middle. Uh, and Definitely. for those who don't don't know what I've always been kind of saying, if you take 10 people, there's probably three that are pro-racing. Then there's three that are definitely against racing. Then there's that group of people in the middle. That's the people that really have no opinion. But when it comes to the polls, those are obviously the people who sway the vote one way or another, i.e., why do you think uh, in the elections people are focusing on the independents? Because the independents can either sway the vote to the Democratic side or the Republican side. Because uh, they know they've got the vote of the Republicans and or the Democrats. It's those people in the middle that they need to sway one way or the other. Those are the people, Greyhound Racing, if you want to survive, those are the people you need to sway. Those people in the middle that have no opinion. Um, now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a uh, survey that I just uh, read about the other day, and then I'm going to talk about four focus groups that I did myself. Um, anyways, December 18th through the 19th, there was a survey conducted of 1,005 people here in the United States. And what it found is that when a horse dies from uh, race-related injuries, 34% of those people said they were left with a lot less favorable impression of the sport, while 28% of those people said it left them with a somewhat less favorable impression, and 37% said it had no impact on their opinion. So right there, you see there was 34% said less favorable, and those are 34 probably that are against greyhound, race, or greyhound and or horse racing while the 37% that said it had no impact on their opinion are most likely people who are already for Greyhound and or horse racing. 
while the 28% in the middle there that said somewhat less favorable, those are the people in the middle. Um, now, there was another thing in this study. It said um, that, where am I going? According to the poll, they found that 53, that's over half, were in support of federal legislation. Let me repeat that. 53% of the people are in favor of federal legislation. Now, why should that scare those of you who are for horse and or dog racing? Well, once the politicians in D.C. get involved, they're going to screw it up. They've been known to screw it up. They, they, they screw up everything. Once they get involved, it's going to be very easy for somebody to sneak in some legislation federally on greyhound racing. And you want to talk about really having some bad stuff to deal with, that would probably be it. Um, so there again, we got these people in the middle that they're the ones we need to focus on because those are the ones that can change a vote, i.e. what happened in Florida. Almost 70% of the people said, get rid of it. We're done. Now, obviously, in that 70%, there were a lot of people who didn't know what they were voting for. Quit bitching about that, folks. That happens in every election. There are people who just vote yes or no, no matter what. They don't care. Or they just eh, throw a quarter and they vote somehow. And then there are the people who really look into the issue. So, again, we've got people in the middle we've got to reach. Now, I did four focus groups over this last year. Um, what I did, let me get to my one sheet here. Um, I asked these Groups. The first three groups, I asked them to watch videos pr produced by that paint-by-numbers stencil dude and tell me what their, if their opinion of horse and or dog racing, actually it was greyhound racing, had changed. Group one, I had ten people in this focus group. Four had no opinion of racing, greyhound racing. Three were okay with greyhound racing. Three, no interest. And I shouldn't point out that these were people from all across the United States. Focus group now, two are these had... People, Rory, Rory, yes. Are, yes. These, are these people uh, involved with pets in any way, or are they um, just average yes. Joes on the street? They were uh, people that were, uh, love animals or involved with working with companies that are involved in, in animal welfare and or pet supplies. Okay. Anyways, um, focus group two had seven people. Two of the people were somewhat against greyhound racing. Three have been to a race more than once, and two, again, had no opinion. Focus group three, I had it was just a small group, three people, because that's all I could round up. They, two, have been to races, and one had never been to a race and had no opinion. So let's go down to focus group one. After they watched some of these videos from that paint-by-numbers stencil guy, um, Four of them with no opinion. Out of the four, three said more likely to vote against keeping Greyhound Racing, while one said they would definitely vote against Greyhound Racing. Three that were okay with racing, two had no change, while one was on the fence about whether they would vote for or against Greyhound Racing. And out of the three that said they had no, no interest, um, there was no change in them, but they did say they felt the videos were not helpful to the cause of supporting Greyhound Racing. So right there you can see there were some people that needed to be reached but weren't being reached properly. Now, you had a question, Kathy? 
Yeah, I was going to say, the, the people who, after watching these videos, um, did they give any specifics about what they might have found unsettling or, or kind of, you know, turned well, them off? What kind of turned them off is the videos of seeing dirty carpets in the background. Um, there was one where uh, there's somebody without a shirt on um, sticking their hands in and feeding the dogs. And also, here's another thing that those of us who know greyhounds, we know when the, their smiles, we call it smiling. But for those who are not trained in, with greyhounds, understanding greyhounds, that smile can look like the dog is growling. So you com- combine all these things, it gave these people a negative impression of greyhound racing. Hopefully that answered your question. That, that is, yes, yes, it does. And, and, you know, that's a shame because... You know, I think a lot of, of, you know, you and I and many others who have been involved in adoption, racing, um, just interest in greyhounds in general, we're a little insular as far as, you know, we, we're our own little pond here. And we don't realize that not everybody views our breed of choice not the same way. You know, exactly. maybe to some people a dog's a dog's a dog. I mean... You know, a lot, you always hear a lot of, oh, you know, greyhounds are different, greyhounds are special. Of course they are. And so are schnauzers, and so are German shepherds, and so are Irish retrievers. You know, I mean, everybody loves their dog. So, you know, to, while greyhounds, they are racers, um, and they're, as you said, there are things that they do. We're used to them because we've been involved for so many years. But the outsider, the, 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 guy on, or gal on the street, they don't understand it's a smile, not a growl. You know, they just right. see teeth and go, oh, no, no, you know. Yeah, they're just smiling. <laughs> now, now, can you I know, get on the I, focus group? Think, oh, I didn't, oh, oh I, there's more. Oh, this is cool. Continue. Well, fo- yeah, focus group two. Um, uh, two of the people who said they were against greyhound racing, there was no change with them. They were obviously still against greyhound racing. Um, of the three who had been to a race more than once, or yeah, more than once, one of them said they would probably never go again after watching these videos. The two with no opinion said um, they still had no opinion, but were a little bit with the video saying, you know, these videos may not be very good for those of us with no opinion to be watching and trying to convince that greyhound racing is okay. So there again. We've got to be a little more careful in what we do and how we present the, the sport to the public. Again, it's people there with no education on the greyhound racing, no education on the greyhound as a breed. We've got to be careful as to what we present to them because you're trying to change public perception to greyhound racing is okay. Now, let's go to focus group number three. Um, obviously, this was just three people, because at that day uh, where I was at, I could only round up three people. Um, and actually, I already had them captured in a conference room. Um, one said they might go again. There was two people who had been to races, and one that one of them said he, they, he or she might go again, while the other said they would probably never go again to a race. Um, and the one with no opinion said they are glad they have never gone to a Greyhound race. Um, now, you ready for focus group number four, or did... I, well, did you know, I'm scared right now, but go ahead. All right. 
Focus group um, number four. Now, this focus group uh, was not specific to greyhounds and or um, horses. It was I was looking for people that had an opinion on um, horse and or greyhound racing. Um, and it was made up of six people. Two were against uh, against racing, two for racing, two for had no opinion. So you can kind of see I broke them up evenly, two, two, two. I asked two questions. What is your opinion of racing if a horse or greyhound is dying at the track each week? The two that um, are against greyhound or horse racing said it helped further their opinion as to why they're against horse or greyhound racing. The two that were for racing said it was difficult, but they would still support greyhound racing. The two with no opinion said it would make them more likely to vote against racing should the opportunity ever come to them that they got a chance to vote for or against horse or greyhound racing. That right there should scare the people that are supporting greyhound racing or horse racing. It's those people with no opinion. Those are, the, again, the people we need to change the public perception on. Um, Without them, you're going to lose every political cycle. Now, I asked them again, another question after we were done um, is, what if I said that I could prove to them that racing was actually working together to improve the quality of life for the animals and working to reduce injuries and or death? The two that are against racing said no, still no change. They're still against it. We're never going to convince those people to come over to the pro racing side. The two that were for racing say love it and wish it would happen. The two with no opinion, again, the people in the middle, the people we need to change the public perception with, they pretty much said it would greatly influence them should they ever have a chance to vote for or against horse or greyhound racing to support it because it provided them with the knowledge that there is the needed change being done and it will benefit the animals. That so. is, while obvious, definitely eye-opening. And it is a shame that, you know, that hard fact of safety first, no matter what animal is involved, um, right. was not put forward. So obviously, to me, what I take out of it is we need to focus more on the real thing that those without an opinion need to know, need to be shown. We got to focus on that. And when we put together videos, whatever, uh, trying to convince people, have some people review it before you put it out. Really critique it. Make sure that it's going to bring some value to what you're trying to present to the public. Without value, you, you might actually be turning people off. And unfortunately, I think this, I'll use Florida as an example. I do think there was a lot of people turned off with the conduct of, of some people's actions and these videos. And I should note, I'll go ahead and note now, in the three, in the first uh, focus group, there were three people from Florida in that focus group. Two of them voted no on 13. Two said that if they had seen, those two said that if they had seen those videos before they voted, they were more likely to have voted yes 
on 13. Let that sink in, people. Yes, you can ridicule me. You can call me all sorts of names. You can call my friend John Parker all sorts of names. But the fact is we need to change. We need to give the public belief that greyhound racing, horse racing is a great sport and worth the people's with no opinion, the opinion that, okay, let's give them a chance. Huh. Now, shall I, shall I drag out my crystal ball? Uh, Chris, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm, yes, go ahead, because this, this is going to be something. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, um, next week we're going to have a guest on, and he'd written an article that really, really made me do some thinking. And I found the article to be very objective, and that's what you want out of a journalist, is for them to be objective. And John did a great job in this article, and he was very objective, and he went through what, what I got out of it was, what, what was it like in the day when Greyhound Racing was in its heyday? What was going on? And you start looking at all the things that have changed since then, you can kind of see why we are where we are today. But we're going to save that for next week because uh, it's it's some some very interesting things. Uh, when you really start looking at it objectively, you can kind of start seeing a picture as to what happened. Now, the reason why I want to bring people to know this is because when you know what happened, you know history, maybe you won't report, repeat the negative part of history and you can focus on what you need to do. And again, I do believe what we need to do is focus on public perception. We need to change those people in the middle. We need to work on their belief that greyhound horse racing is okay and it deserves a shot. Because obviously, folks, horse and greyhound racing do provide a big shot to the economy nationwide. When you think about all the OTBs and how many extra people are working there, you think of all the feed and all that that is the farms spend, all the money that the kennels and stables spent. There's a lot of money that is brought into our economy. But as far as 2020, um, what I do believe, and uh, Kathy, you can, you can, I think, say for fact that a lot of the things I've predicted over the years have pretty much come to come true, correct? Uh, definitely. And, and I think that one of those reasons is you, you are a very thorough observer of human nature, of uh, events in, in the world events, political events, um, you know, just you take all those factors and you just don't, you know, go, you know, being a keyboard warrior and, and typing your, you know, two cents opinion. I mean, you do put a lot of thought in it. And I know I, as, as a good wife should, I pick on you as best I can. But when push comes to shove, I, I will say that, you are truly, and when it comes to the dogs, you not only put them first, you are very honestly objective. Whether the truth hurts or not, you do not shy away from a fact. And right. I, I, get, I give you a lot of credit for that. All right. Well, here's my prediction for 2020. The lawsuit of the people trying to overturn 13 is going to fail miserably, folks. It ain't going to happen. 70% of the public voted against Greyhound Racing. Get over it. Quit wasting money on people who are squandering it on this silly lawsuit. This lawsuit ain't going to change anything. What should also make people think is, why did they not file an immediate for an immediate injunction? 
Well, they don't want you to know this, folks. An injunction, a, a judge has got a lot that they have to weigh and look at when they grant an injunction. And injunctions are rarely ever granted. And if they did file an injunction, the judge is going to write up in his ruling, and there's probably going to be a lot of the judge saying, here's why I don't think you're going to have standing or why your case is going to win. So that, folks, is why they did not file for an immediate injunction. Folks, it's not going to happen. Quit blowing money on a fail, a lawsuit that's going to fail. What really is irritating is there's adoption programs struggling right now to make it day to day, but yet there are people writing four or $5,000 checks to this failed, stupid attempt to overturn 13. That money needs to be going to lobbyists. I just, I just told you a while ago, there's people in favor of federal legislation on horse and dog racing. Folks, that. When you start getting to that level, you think lobbyists cost a lot of money in your state. Wait till you pay for a lobbyist in D.C. That's going to cost a lot of money. Now, with the other lawsuit, I, I kind of have a feeling that that lawsuit has a chance of passing. And I do believe the people that were involved do need to be uh, given some money since the state of Florida. People said, hey, get out of here. We don't want you anymore. They should be compensated. And I do think that case has a chance of getting through, but I don't think we will hear a final verdict on that in 2020. Um, with that said, folks, Greyhound adoption has got a big, big job ahead of it as Florida gets ready to wind down Greyhound racing in 2020, and these groups are going to need money. It really irritates me that these groups are struggling while a group that is attempting a flawless, uh, it's, it's not going to happen, folks. This lawsuit is not going to happen. And you're going to wake up January 1st, 2021. There will not be Greyhound racing in Florida. Many of you are going to wake up January 1st, 2021 and say, did we screw up? And I'll say, yes, you did. We did not do enough to change public perception. That's what it's all about, folks. You got to change the public perception. And Pissing and moaning online in your little private groups ain't changing anybody's public perception. Uh, that's my what's going to happen in 2020, Kathy. Well, I have one extra prediction for 2020. What's that? You, you will be you will be the nattering nabob's uh, favorite whipping boy after this one. Oh yeah, and and again, you know what? Something I learned a long time ago. Yeah, can't make everyone happy. What you got to focus on is always doing what's right, full well knowing you're going to piss some people off, you're going to make some people uh, uh, make some people happy. But as long as you're always, I'll tell you what, I know I'm always doing the best I can for the dogs and for what I, the people I represent. I'm going to do that. I sleep well at night knowing that's what I do. Hug the hounds of the world, everyone. Have a great weekend. Oh! Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.